that, but I didn't have the headphones up. I, hmm. I didn't know what the noise was, but... <laughs> the noise was me. It's always me. Right. So, music, music, and some more music. Yes, indeed. Tripping balls. We talk about tunes. Where do you want to start with the albums that we reviewed this week, Adam? What number, what number is it? Oh, 364. Oh, yeah. Getting there. Almost the warmest one for every day of the year. Yeah. And next week will be one for every, you know, every day for next year. Yes. But anyway, uh, where do I want to start? I'll start at the bottom, if I can. Um, <laughs> Whose bottom are we starting at? And, and and is this in order of playlist or it depends which way of sort of the playlist? No, in, 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 in the order of like what I think of, of what was going on. Look, I appreciate the intent and, and all that sort of stuff, but Beast Wars. This is not your sort of metal, is it? No. I don't know whose kind of metal this is because it's oh, really it's mine. I like, I like this shit. Really? I just find it a bit... I just don't know what it's for or what it's doing. Um, yeah, it's kind of... It's not, it hasn't got the hooks that, that sort of some metal has. It hasn't got the intent that's, that Thrash does. It kind of just... Sludge is, is quite appropriate. And I meant to... I did actually mean to go and listen. I just didn't get a chance to go back and listen to what they actually do when they're not singing other people's songs because I kind of felt as well that they were a little bit constrained maybe in having to sort of stick to the form and the idea like maybe they're, they're trying to sort of shoehorn themselves into things that probably and probably should not be I think the thing that should not be now nice Metallica reference there um, the I actually think this is one of the best things the Beast Wars have done because their regular stuff is very dirgy it's it's very moany and shouty I mean their own their fucking bandcamp bio is is you know New Zealand sludge metal four-piece beast wars abide by one steadfast maxim obey the riff described as a mongrel mix of Caius Neurosis and the mighty Godflesh which two of those bands you've probably never heard of and playing heavy tunes for heavy times the Wellington based Sonic Soothsayers utilise the chaos that engulfs our world as ammunition for their defiant howls into the abyss and I think defiant howls into the abyss is about right this does sound like this sounds like a dying animal it's meant to. That's the style. It's Marmite. It is meant to. These songs, are, are, none of these songs are actually famous, even in New Zealand music circles. So essentially they are like originals. And they are unified by all being songs of isolation and despair. Yay! And it is bleak, but uh, it is immense. The, the noise, the wall of noises is very large. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, so is me farting into a microphone. And I mean, <laughs> it's very much so in some cases. It just, it just doesn't do it for me at all. I just kind of kept thinking, when's it going? To, when, when's it going to sort of jump out? Because sometimes I think when there's so much, you know, when there's so much noise presented from every angle, you're not quite something's not actually reaching out from that noise and grabbing you. It's kind of just sound, and it just sort of washes over me in the same way that. A, you know, any you know, generic uh, in, in it being so loud and so shouting and so you know it becomes very generic I think because there's nothing in it that really you know is his voice good yeah not really other riffs well like, he's had throat cancer so probably not well, maybe that might so that's what that's some that. of the um, the things that were obliquely referring to in the bio about the challenges that they've been through yeah. um, it's not my thing that's interesting I wonder you probably wouldn't how would how do you take to stoner rock uh, like desert yeah, rock, stone and metal yeah, stuff. We, we, we went 
we went through mm. this before. Yeah. Look, I, I'm much, if we're talking metal stuff, I am much more into, like, if we're talking New Zealand metal, the, the alien weaponry stuff is much more because I kind of feel Technical like, proficiency. Yeah, and, and just a bit more of they lean into a certain part of the bit. I, I'm not as... Well, it's more anger than despair. Well, and, and there's just a bit more um, direction in it, I find. Like, I, I, I'm not a much of a fan of much of modern metal, so because I find that... Hold your fucking house up. What are you complaining about? No, yeah. But I find that a lot of modern metal just kind of goes, well, because we're loud and shouty, we don't have to be musical. Like, there's still got to be music behind it somewhere, and that's, why, and that's the problem I have with a lot of... And that's that goes right back to, you know, your sepulturas and your you know and all that sort of stuff is it's just fucking loud and they you know, um and and sort of shouty and i don't it doesn't interest me i i like the melody still that's you know so so that's why i like the metallic why can't the they have a nice melody on the wireless well, well i mean the pantera's melody came from their guitarist and and their vocalist was basically and, and look, look look where that got him well, see yeah, that's, that's america's fault not his fault. see what happens yeah no I, I, I get your point um this is like i said this is my mighty um but it does have i respect the heft and I respect the um, the sensations. I think is is the, I listen to a this is completely off topic, but I listen to a, a Spanish football podcast by a couple of um, English journalists who live in Spain, uh, and they keep using Spanishisms like words that they use a lot in Spanish that get back translated into English. And sensations is a word that gets used a lot. And what they mean is like the, what are the sensations of what you're what you're experiencing? And it's it's it seems like a very bizarre thing to be saying, but I've picked that up from them. Um, yeah, one of the interesting about this album is that I thought that this there was like they did the album and then there was this collaboration with Panhead. I think this album was actually bankrolled by Panhead, the brewery, right? Um, because it seemed like they were approached by Panhead to to do this, and then they've released a beer off the back of it. It's like you know, Panhead's ultimate owners are Lion and therefore the Kirin Brewery of Japan. It's like you know, great, you know, big label, you know, big. Breweries are getting involved, but it can't be any worse than actual record labels or Spotify who announced right. this week right. that they're, they're cutting royalty payments if you don't meet a certain threshold of payments, to which, yeah. ironically, uh, a head brewer at a, at a Wellington brewery, who I think is a, a fan of this sort of stuff, said, well, I'm only going to start paying for malt on the, my three most popular beers. Yes, that's right. So speaking of stuff that you sort of like in your wheelhouse and you said you hadn't liked it for a while... How do you feel about the Electric Six album? Because Electric I have, Six. I have a, a vague memory of those that album that you're talking about, and I remember singing a lot. Fire, to it. But because I played it at everybody relentlessly. Pretty much. Like, anybody who had a road trip with me in 2003 got Fire in the Disco and Fire in the Taco Bell all over them. But I didn't hate it. Like, and I quite liked it actually. Like, how how do you do, how does this uh, sit in amongst the the modern lexicon and? and Comparatively, so over the last twenty years, I've had to come to terms with the fact that we're not getting another fire. That this band is not capable of doing another fire. Um, and fire had this brilliant sort of Venn diagram of grunge metal and disco pop that just it just worked ridiculously well. Like it could not have been more ill-fitting, and yet they managed to work it. Uh, and, and also helped by the fact that their lead singer is a ludicrous man who sings ludicrous lyrics. Um, this, I feel, is is one of their best albums in the last... You know, if you set fire aside, this is one of their best and most coherent efforts. There are bangers in this. I mean, there's there's lazy kind of synth pop, which is the stuff that they don't do as well. 
Yeah. Um, the, the first track, for example. But what they really, where they, they they really excel is if they're doing this kind of bombastic Nirvana meets disco with full Dick Valentine ludicrousness. That's where they, they need to be, and there's a lot of it on this album. So yeah, I mean, um, look, I didn't mind sort of thing. I think he, for me, his ludicrousness is kind of something I can take in short shrift. Like if I listen to one song, and you like Frank Zappa. You can't oh, talk about not liking oh, ludicrousness. But I, but he's the most ludicrous man to have ever recorded he's shit. he's the exact same. I can, I can listen to two tracks off the Frank Zappa album and go, that's enough, because the rest of it then really pisses me off after all, because it is so freaking ludicrous. Uh, and and, and he, I just find his better stuff better than, than this stuff, obviously. But yeah, but he's dead now. So Yeah, so if I, listen, if I listen to some of this stuff in isolation and I think, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool, yeah, no, I, you know, like... There are lots of ones, you know, people around the place I can handle that bombastiness in short trip, but I don't know that over the length of a full album I kind of go, oh, I just... And, and look, and there's different levels of bombastic too, and we might talk about this later as well, but I, I, I find it, there's, there's levels anyway, but I just... It, it, it was all right. There was, like you said, there was some good stuff on this album. I wasn't enthused with the first song, which may have coloured the rest of it. I, I kind of heard that Take Me To The Sugar, where he doesn't even sing the chorus and thing. Oh, is this where the rest of the album's going? And thankfully, it really wasn't. It didn't. Like, it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that maybe should have been the second last song of the album, or the last song of the album. Yeah, and I mean, even and, and like again, it's the curse of the title track, which I didn't like. Turquoise was just like, what? What's going on here? Like, why am I where? I feel this, and I'm wearing turquoise, and I'm, I'm sure there's some kind of reference. I'm no, not getting there, but the line was, "The world flipped over and went tits up." So to protect myself, I wear turquoise. Yeah, I don't get it, but anyway. Yeah. Well, that's on you, man. That's on yeah. you. You just don't get it, man. I just don't get it at all. No, but man. anyway, so look, it was it was okay. Uh, again, there's there's so many bands trying for that sort of same area of sound, and I just don't know that anybody kind of has figured out how to make it really jump out of the pack. I don't feel like anybody, they are trying to sound like anybody else apart from themselves at this stage. This is, this is what I liked about this album was that it was more like what they what they were good at but nobody else sounds like these guys, and nobody else would want to. It's entirely their their little corner of the world. And what I, what I was encouraged by was when you see a band who you have a real affection for release something that that gives you a little spark that they they can still do the thing that they always do. It's a bit like watching your favourite player as a kid still staggering around near the end of their career, and yet they can still do something really cool. In, in a moment, they can just conjure it up and still do that uh, that thing that you that you love watching them do twenty years ago. Well, um, interestingly you know, enough, th- this album isn't quite. It was a little bit like the LeBron's last ten minutes against yeah. the um, against the Suns the, the day that we're recording this. Well, in- interestingly enough, I reckon you described exactly how I feel about the last album about the Rolling Stones album. Because which is I, their first new album since 2005, which, yeah, which which I know most people are saying, wow, that was only 15 minutes ago, or wow, I wasn't born then. But yeah. um, that was the year I moved to New Zealand. So that's, that's yeah, an extremely long time ago. Yeah, 20, or approaching 20 years. And a little right. bit like, are we ever getting another fire? It's like, are we ever getting another insert name of your favourite Rolling Stones album. Jumpin' Jack Flash. Oh, yeah, you know, like, that's right. Um, but in saying that... I mean, the thing we probably need to point out that the, the dirty secret of the Stones is that they never made a good album. They made a hell of... They were a singles band, but none of their albums... All no. of their albums have a fatal flaw, yeah. which is what we discovered when we went back and listened to all of them. There are certainly good ones and less good ones, but none of them are, like, end-to-end bangers. 
No, and then that's pretty much true of, of all those bands of that, that era too. You know, like, yeah, because they churned out so many. That's right. So they, they were recording so I mean, that was the whole thing with the deal with Decca, with they were desperately trying to get out of at the end of the 60s. And Zeppelin was the same, and the Beatles were the same, and all those kind of, you know, there's a lot. Wash your mouth out. I've been told the Beatles were the greatest band in the history of the world. They were, but they released a lot of shit in amongst like, every other band. They just had lots of really good songs too. The Beatles um, never had an album as good as, as Fire by Electric Six. Anywho, um, this is actually all right, you know. I mean, it is it, actually, isn't it? It's actually. And it's, what, it, what it is to me is that I, I listened from the, the from the first chord they hit, and you know that little riff, and I thought, oh god, you know, he still knows how to play a riff that makes you just want to, you know, I don't want to, I'm not a dancer, but it makes you want to move. It, it, it sort of, you know, it's just got that little bit of energy about it, and then it's also the production too, the way kind of, they oh, kind of make it ring and catch ring, and ring, ring, and it goes back to fucking brilliant production, like absolutely mixed to within the instrument. And it's interesting because it's not, it wasn't like one of these old fucking wizened producers from back in the day. I mean, Don Was does the production on one of the tracks, yeah. um, you know, as in Was Not Was, Everybody Was a Dinosaur, and he'd done a lot yeah. of other stuff, but it's mostly a young bloke who, um, called Andrew Watt, uh, who is, you know, does, is in the classic rock space, but it's not like they got fucking Mutt Lang out of, no. suspended yeah. animation to, to come back and, well, and or, or Rick Rubin or anybody. Well, they, and they probably would have killed this because they kind of lose. What's great about this is you hear exactly what everybody's really good at. So yeah. you get all of Nick's, um, you get all of Keith's jangle, you get... Um, but you need and, that jangle and you need that sparseness. And I think that's the real thing. Yeah. And the, the drum beat is, is kind of, it's it's very precise but yeah. and simple, but it's it works in that kind of ACDC kind of way. Is that it, It's yeah. nothing in there more than it needs to be. But then Nick starts doing the little <laughs> and the hats and the anything like, oh, he's a guy that's absolutely committed to kind of, I feel like I'm sitting next to him watching him on stage and I can see yeah. him, like, all these little mannerisms and all that. I hear that in the music and I still hear, and they just, you know, these are guys that have played to hundreds of millions of people over the last 50 years. They know how to make a crowd happy and this is what this album sounds like. It's like that every Stones fan that's going to go and listen, I'm not a huge Stones, like, I like Rolling Stones songs. Um, some of them. But I'm not, yeah, uh, yeah, well, yeah some of that, like, but I'm not sort of person that goes, oh, they're the greatest fan of them. You don't own a Stones album, do you? I mean, I, no. I own, I, I bought 40 Licks on, which is the famous compilation they did years ago. But, but these are guys who know how to make, yep. you know, music that make people go, yeah, that's cool. And there was, there's moments in here I went, that is really, really cool. Um, Bite My Head Off's a great song, and the fact that it gets Paul McCartney on a fuzz bass solo is exceptional. I was not expecting to have Paul McCartney doing his best Lenny from Motorhead. Yeah, listening through the whole song because it comes up featuring Paul McCartney. It's like, okay, where's Paul's voice coming in? And it's all like, that's also this unexpectedly sweary as well. That's the only song on the album that gets gets the big E. There are more swears on the album than that, but yeah, that's one that's quite. But even you know, you see the the collabs are actually pretty good. You get Elton John doing. Yeah, Gaga did a decent stash. They got her in to do. Kind of a bootleg Mary Clayton, and she wasn't. She was okay at it. Oh no, she's she's good. I really enjoyed that song. I, I didn't actually. I hadn't even seen that Stevie Wonder was in on that song too. God knows what he's doing on it. Probably playing. I would expect keyboards. Keyboards. Yeah. Well, I actually thought it was going to be Lady Gaga playing and singing because she's quite a good yeah. player too. But there's really, you know, there's there's pop sort of there's blues and when like a proper rock blues like. 
And there's even the real down in the swamp kind of, you know, the Rolling Stone blues. Yeah, that, that, that literally an old Muddy Waters track yeah. that, that everybody has covered. I mean, I thought that the Rolling Stones are pretty late in their career to do that thing where you release a song named after the band. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like Motorhead and the Monkeys and Black Sabbath and S-Express. You know? so, this isn't the greatest album of the year and, and all that sort of stuff. But it's not their greatest album. Well, I don't know. I don't no, know. It's pretty good, though. It's entirely serviceable. And the thing yeah. is, you said, you said Mick sounds, his vocals sound great. He's 80 years old. I know. That's what I was thinking. And then even like, Keith is probably about 235 years well, old. Well, in, in dog years or in drug years, yes. Yeah, in drug years, that's right. Um, and is, is Charlie Watts still drumming as but, well? But, like? I mean, someone else could be playing for Keith. No one is singing for Mick. That's Mick. Mick is singing yeah. that. Yeah, and look, I'm sure I'm sure it's all, you know, and oh no, Charlie Watts isn't, isn't drumming because he's dead. That's not great. But- well, actually, you say that. He is drumming on at least two of these tracks, which tells you how long in gestation some of this, some of this stuff is. Well, I kind of figured when I saw Elton John there, I thought, well, this is a COVID thing because he, he did a lot of COVID Bits and pieces, stuff, yeah. You know, with a lot of people. So I thought, well, this must be one of those COVID kind of things. But look- it's it. I, I enjoyed it. I really wasn't expecting to enjoy. It. I think oh, another legacy act and another just yeah. you know. And this is ACD not a band. Well, this is not a band that actually needs to release an album to justify a tour like that. No. That very standard kind of legacy backed approach. And they don't have to do it, but I'm kind of glad they did because this is this is actually decent. Um, the song that, that Don was produced, um, mm. "Live by the Sword." Mm. has it feels produced differently to the rest of it and it does feel mm. a little bit more 80s. I mean, I've seen some reviews that compare this to albums of the 80s that they've done, like Steel Wheels and Dirty yeah. Work, um, that kind of era, which was what generally did- crap. So, you know, it, it doesn't doesn't have to be on too much of a thing. But that's the track that has Don Wars is on production, Bill Wyman is back on bass, and Charlie Watts is on the skins, which, oh, which you know, it tells treasure. you that this one has been in production for a bit. What this album does is makes me want to go back and listen to some more Stone stuff to kind of and think to remember that these guys are you know they they are one of the biggest bands of the past fifty yeah. years. But what you should do reason. is do do your trick with the Beatles, which is just listen to the, the greatest hits compilation. I see that. Oh, uh, oh absolutely. That but, Forty but Wings then, is now on Spotify because it it, yeah. it wasn't on there for a long time. Yeah, this is this is a as far as legacy albums go, this is a pretty good one. Like, yeah. I would quite happily put this on again. Um, and listen to it because I, I listened to it just coming home today again and just like, yeah, I really like this. And I'm not a huge bluesy sort of person, but they- Well, they I am. A, yeah, but- well, that's what I thought. And I was, I was interested to kind of see if you felt the same because on blues, I just tend to, you know, and there's a thousand guys, especially because we're close to Byron here, there's a thousand long-haired hippies all playing blues guitar and singing. Yeah, but that's you know, more you know, kind of John Butler rootsy kind of dog shit. I don't get that as the blues. Well, that's what I mean. But, and, you know, so I don't, so I was kind of, I'm a bit off it because it just all starts to sound the same to me after a while, which, you know, 12 bar blues, you know, insert joke here. But one four five. it's just, yeah, these guys have a way of, of sort of fashioning hooks and, you know, it's like it's like that they've played a long time to a lot of people and know what how to get people, reaction out of people. And they had 18 years to develop this album and this will be their last yeah. album. I'm extremely confident. Yes. Um, I mean, the one track on it that sucks is is the one where Keith sings. Uh, and that basically- Yeah, that was weird. I was kind of listening going, oh, oh. He, he does sound a bit kind of- I felt like he was he was going for kind of Johnny Cash or something like that, but it was just it's it didn't it sounded like he sounded eighty years old. Whereas Mick, I mean, the thing is that I was listening to I was watching a um this will be massively relevant the what will be the Tuesday game in the Premier League, the Monday night game in, in the UK, Tottenham versus Fulham, 
and Martin Tyler was on commentary, and he's basically retired from commentary. But they they got him in for some of the World Feed stuff. He's seventy eight. He sounded like death. He really sounded awful. And I was thinking, and I actually Googled it at the time because I happened to be listening to the Stones album while the game was being played. And I Googled it, and Martin Tyler's two years younger than Mick Jagger. So that, you know, the fact that Mick Jagger still sounds like he is 50, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, 40? He could pass for the Mick Jagger who who did Start Me Up. Because there's songs on this that sound. I mean, Angry does sound. The lead single does sound like an AI mashup of a lot of their upbeat rockers from the eighties. It does very much so. It's kind of like I really liked the instrumentation of it. I just kind of thought I'm not quite. Production sure. was great. Songwriting was kind of a little bit boring with that. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. It's just like I'm not quite sure this is. It, it's as as gritty as it probably needs to be to be called angry. You know, it just sounded a bit. Yeah. But yeah. Look, Really good. I wasn't expecting it to be good. And, and Mick's, Mick's singing in, a, in an actual Cockney accent for one time in his life was actually fascinating because they did a song about how, how shit it was to live in London, you know, and, and he, he was singing, oh, streets of London, oh, oh fucking geezer. And it's got everything. And you know, said, there's a bit of sax crime. There's some, you know. It could be less of that. Dobro. You know, it's great. Really good. It's decent. I was happy with all three albums, but that's because I'm it's a broad church in, on this podcast. Except, except when it, you're on it. It, it was uh, low, low, middle, and high for me. So yes, I, I reckon I would put them all equally. I'm on my Electric Sixty album of the week. No, actually, no. I reckon I was happy with all three of those, and I'll be happy to find out what Bezo is going to pick for his album of the week next week. Insert clip here. Hello, this is Bezo. I have picked a new album from The Kills. It is called God Games because I am a coaching god. Thank you. Goodbye. Fucking hell, that sounds like shit. Why would you actually... Anyway, I guess we'll put up with it, folks. Um, <laughs> with, a, with a melon? What? <laughs> I didn't think that was physically possible. Uh, Pause for editing. Look, it can't, it can't get any better than, than Love Rears It's Ugly Head on, on Hand Farts. No, I didn't quite. Beautiful. Yes. That was beautiful. Oh, no, I, it wasn't. I, I, it went to bits at the end. I, I, I Much like, like this it. podcast I, does every week. I always like it when I'm listening back to the podcast for the first time and I kind of hear where we sign off and I look at the timer and it's like, there's a minute left. What did we actually say at the end of that? And I heard that. And went, <laughs> you think, what's he found? Yeah, what's he found? That's right. And I laughed and I, you know, it, left me, it left me a very zen place. Lovely. Which perhaps, you know, which was good because we just listened to Kylie Minogue and that was not a zen place at all. No, no. I'm going to pick a new album by a band called Stepmother, who I don't know very much about, but I think they have members of bands that we've listened to previously um if they're the band i'm thinking of they're not wolf mother oh. uh but they might have played with them are they australian is that the one from melbourne and yeah. um they one of the members one of the lead people in stepmother they're a power trio fronted by a dude who's in a bunch of other bands with equal parts motor, motor city proto punk and feedback drenched files on the darker side of psychedelia, which basically describes my music taste. Um, and Rocker Road. And their lead dude was also in a band called Rot TV. We did an album of theirs last year, oh, and uh, it was Ratbag Melbourne Pub Pub Rock. Um, it was nice to hear that it still exists. Is this the uh, point now where I make you listen to 1989 Taylor's version as the Joker album, or would that? No, that, you don't get that choice. Oh, Suck shit. That would be fun. I mean, I got that. I got to listen to Kyle Kylie Minogue, so. Nah, what we're going to do instead, Bezo will probably try and claim that he deserves the um, the Joker, but he picked that Kylie album, so fuck him. Uh, the Joker album for next week is a bunch of Jokers from an album called Clowns, who are 
like a hardcore punk version of Friends or Rom. Oh, shit. <laughs> that would be So they're, they're basically a shoutier version of Friends or Rom. Oh. And we, we did one of their albums a couple of years ago. So um, those are my two albums. And Bezo's album is whatever he said it was. Blind Melon. No, with a melon. Uh, poor old Blind Melon. That didn't end well for him. I listened to a uh, pod the other day that was all about, and it was eventually because the guy I listened to, it's actually quite an interesting pod, but you want to talk about long-winded. This guy is very long-winded and it takes a bit of getting used to. As long as he doesn't sound as cocaine as I do. I, when I listen back to myself, I'm like, fucking oh, hell, no, dude. This guy's got a big, deep voice. Like It's on. Uh, it's one of the ringer ones. So, How does it happen? It's called uh, 60 Songs That Made the 90s, and he's up to episode 105, of course. This one was on Black Hole Sun, but he kind of it's- connected it through- Smash Mouth, uh, which led to Blind Melon, which led to Chris uh, Chris Cornell, because of course they're all people that you know had you know massive hits and then topped themselves. Um, that was the link that took about half. Oh, what, a, what a cheerful connection that is! I know that's right. Yeah, um, and then even the guy from I don't think the guy from Smash Mouth topped himself, but I think it was mostly self inflicted anyway. Ah, uh, um, self destructive. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody um, once really told him he shouldn't have done that. Somebody once told him the world was going to roll him, and it, and it yeah, did. And it did, yeah. yeah. It's a really interesting podcast for people our age. you just got to kind of get over the guy who is has um, love of his own voice, but it actually works out pretty well. Anybody who listens to this podcast will be familiar with that issue. Mm, yes, very much so. On that note, or several notes. Not if it's the Rolling Stones. It's just the same fucking notes they've been playing since 1962. Why change a good thing? It works. Speaking of people with big, big, bassy voices, wasn't that John Laws's line? When you're on a good thing, stick to it. Absolutely. I like to, to have leave. Valvoline on my balls. I think we need to leave. Is this where we put the good? That's ending not. In? The, that's not what the show's called. Oh, what's it called? I think you should leave. I'm with Fine, the man. fucking hot dog man. The Tripping balls playlist is so long that my car Apple Play thing won't. It doesn't scroll to the bottom of it. Oh, well, <laughs> that's why on Spotify we set it up. We, we have it by default that it, it sorts inversely, so we don't have to go to the bottom of it. That's why we're not doing it that way anymore. Previously, we were doing the shorter playlist and the longer playlist, but now we're just, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. If you sort of by data added, most recent, it should block them. Because in a previous version of Spotify years ago, if you did that, it would reverse the order of the album. And often Bezo complained about how bad track one on an album was, and it was the last <laughs> track on the album. And I'm like, your track one theory doesn't really work in that instance, mate. It's, it's by design that the last track of the album is the worst one. Yeah, it, you're meant to leave. This, yeah. this is we're turning off the lights. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Yeah, speaking of meaning to leave, this is how we end the show. Yes, get you out of here. Thank you for that. Cool. I shall see you next time. Sometime. I appreciate your stand on the show, and no doubt we'll have you on before the end of the year anyway. But um, thank you for that. No worries. All right, man. I'll catch up. Talk to you later. Bye. Nuclear war on the dance floor. Solo.